Swing and a line drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are downloaded in over 30 countries from across the planet each week, according to PodTrack.com. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Atlanta Braves dropping all three games, still in last place in the American League East. News out of Fenway, Nathan Avaldi will not make his scheduled start on Saturday. However, Ron Renneke told reporters Wednesday that Avaldi could start on Sunday or Monday, depending on a bullpen session on Thursday. Bloom stated on Monday following the trade deadline he hoped to have Jackie Bradley play in Boston for, quote, a long time. As of Wednesday, the Red Sox center fielder says no team officials have approached him about a possible extension. News from around the league, Hall of Fame uh, pitcher for the Mets, Tom Seaver has passed away at age 75 of Louis body dementia. He did, however, wrap his career up with the Red Sox in the 1986 season. However, a knee injury prevented him from pitching uh, in that year's World Series. Once again, I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. Joining us tonight from Westwood, Massachusetts is Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm doing well because I've got Marcelo Zuna on a fantasy team, so I'm doing just peachy. <laughs> he had a big series. Now, the other question is, do you have Adam Duvall? No, sadly, I don't have Adam Duvall. Oh. Uh, that would have been great. What a twin, two-headed monster that would have been this week. But no, I just have Ozuna. Absolutely. Former uh, Cincinnati Red uh, doing damage in Atlanta. Uh, also joining us tonight from the Mile High City of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? Doing good. Just coming down off that electric series we just finished watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we patted uh, Atlanta's first place uh, lead uh, for them, didn't we? Oh, Absolutely. Guys, we've never even heard of uh, starting for the Red Sox. You you had a great comment, uh, Andrew, on one of the threads on Twitter um, when Kickham apparently was not going to be starting, and they went with 
uh, layer tonight, and you, you said something to the effect of, well, geez, you know, if they just switched jerseys, would anybody know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure no one would have. Honestly, I had never seen either of those guys in my life. I'm <laughs> I, apparently, Lair got into the game the other day, but I clearly missed that one. Yeah, I same exact thing. I uh, when I saw his name on paper, I didn't recognize him, but then uh, when he opened up the game tonight, uh, and and I actually recognized his number more than anything, number seventy-seven, and uh, I did see a glimpse of that. I think on Monday. Um, before coming on to do the uh, trade deadline show. Anyway, so we're going to get into studs and duds here. We are going to do some Yankee bashing at, uh, you know, in the second segment. They've been in the news. There's been some suspensions. I kind of omitted that from the the newsreel because we're going to get into that in depth in the second segment. But Sticking with our normal uh, studs and duds, Jason, you're in the leadoff spot. Who is your stud for this Atlanta Braves series? So if you rewind to two nights ago, uh, I believe the word I used was inexcusable. I said it was inexcusable that Jackie Bradley Jr. was still on this team after the trade deadline. Uh, Now fast forward to tonight. And Jackie Bradley Jr. is my stud for the Atlanta Braves series. Um, now, I do want to point out that he's a, he's the stud because he actually managed to hit the baseball and actually <laughs> get on base this series, which most of the Red Sox had a very difficult time doing. But he was good. He played in all three games. He got at least one hit in each game. He went three for nine, walked twice, drove in two runs, uh, only struck out twice. And even had a stolen base tonight, his first of the year. So, you know, and and as always, played good defense in center field. So in a series where your offense was just completely dormant outside of, like, him and a few other guys, he he showed up. And, you know, he had a lot of attention on him around the deadline and post-deadline. And, look, he had people like me saying, you know, they should have traded him. You know, we we don't really want him here anymore. And he, uh, he made me put my foot in my mouth, so... Credit to him. He had a good series. Um, I don't expect it to last. I hope it does. It'd be nice if he, you know, rewarded the team for not trading him by having a really good September, but I somehow doubt that. Um, but, yeah, he was he was good. He was consistent. So, you know, hats off to him. And, um, yeah, you know, go ahead. Eck and um, Remy were really talking about how it seems like that wrist injury really threw off the season because he did get off to a good start and then he went into one of those you know patented slumps but I think it it's really obvious that this time it was due to injury and he's come back and he's kind of found a stroke lately so uh if you know the end of year comes and there's no other better options for him out there I I don't mind seeing a two or three year deal at really cheap money for him you know you what you're gonna get with the gloves in the outfield and if the guy hits 250 i mean that's gravy at that point so good for him hopefully this streak continues and he can play himself into a good contract somewhere else or if not he can come back well i still kind of hope they move on from him you know but you know if it if it happens it happens you know i i threw a much bigger hissy fit when the when the sale extension happened a, a year sooner than it should have and then of course it mm. wouldn't have happened had they had they waited but um but yeah and I, bradley 
I, if my notes are right, and I think they are, he hit the only home run of the whole series, and it definitely came off of a lefty, so that was impressive. And like you said, I mean, if <laughs> if if Bloom really likes Bradley as much as he says he did on Monday, still still find it hard to believe he was the only untouchable player <laughs> that he basically mm. insinuated. M- Mookie Betts wasn't untouchable, but Bradley was. Um, yeah, I, but at the end of the day, Bradley's not going to get money that will screw your plans in the long run if he ends up busting. It'll be pennies. And to your other stat, I didn't realize that that was the only home run they hit this series. That's that's unthinkable in a, in 2020. In the middle of summer, I I can't even. I, I'm shocked. Yeah, at home too, and you know Fenway's a, a hitter friendly park, and and yeah, I mean we faced their one of their aces in Game One, uh, Max Freed. Tonight, there's no excuse. I mean, er, Erlen wasn't sharp early, and if we were firing on all cylinders, we should have, you know. A balls easily could have left the park, but, but you know, it is what it is. We're kind of we're in a funk, you know. It's a, it's a bad year. <laughs> It'll be interesting <laughs> to see where this ranks because, you know, 2014 I think was the other really bad year. Um, you know, the Bobby Valentine year we finished last, but I think that year. August and September was especially bad. Like we weren't completely out of it by the end of July. And so I, I don't know. So I, it's going to come down to 2020 or 2014, which was the worst ever, <laughs> but you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, you know, by the end of the season, but, but lone home run for Bradley. So stud worthy hitting every game. Like you said, also Jason. So, uh, go ahead, Andrew, your stud for the series. My stud is a guy that entered the series hitting 280 and then left Fenway hitting over 300, and that's Marcelo Zuna. That guy, he made what he did last night, he, those home runs look like McGuire's in the home run derby in 99 at Fenway. Like th- They would have killed someone. They would have broken a windshield in that parking garage behind Fenway. Those things were just moonshots. There was nothing cheap about them. Those were all like 450. And that one hit to dead center that hit above the uh, camera well? Are you kidding me? I- it's shocking. Well, not really. He didn't have a great year last year, but he's only on a one-year deal. So if JD decides to gamble on himself, which is probably a terrible idea after the year he's having, uh, and he wants to opt out and go somewhere else for potentially more money. Bring Marcel in here, slap number 24 on him, and let's have a Manny-like adventure in left field for the next three years, like for $60 million bucks or something. Uh, I'm ready I'm ready for the Ozuna ride. Uh, Jason? Yeah. He, he was fun to watch. I mean, uh, you know, we've gotten to the point now where I, you know, I don't get upset when opposing players go off on the Red Sox like this because, quite right? frankly, I, I think <laughs> I think this team deserves it. They deserve to have someone just go off on them like that. And he's a character. I mean, you watch him at the plate; he's like he's fidgety. He's he's got a little bit of like Nomar mixed with like Yasiel Puig. Um, the, That's the, the greatest thing I've ever heard. 
It's like <laughs> the stuff he does around the bases when he's doing his home run trot. Like he's just a fun player to watch. And you know, look, he was going up against some real bad pitchers in this series. I mean, he was going up against the Kyle Hart's of the world, and and he took advantage. He he absolutely went off. It, you said it perfectly. It looked like a home run derby. I mean, it just he was hitting. There were no cheap ones. He was hitting absolute just tall jacks and yeah i mean you know i don't think that he'll ever sign here i I don't think that's a you know that's a huge possibility but if he you know he is on that one-year deal if jd does opt out you've got some money to spend i would love to see a guy like marcelo zuna come in here and man left field for a couple of years because his swing looks like it's built for fenway park so yeah he was he was a blast to watch you know, I can't tell who Bloom is going to target in free agency. Obviously, pitching is the glaring need. Um, but, you know, we have said uh, several times in, in recent shows that the outfield is a weakness within our organization. We have that Duran kid um, that will very likely see some time, you know, with the Major League Club uh, next year if he's not called up this year. But I don't. I I guess I wouldn't be shocked if he if he makes a play for an outfielder. And I don't know if your figure, Andrew. You know, twenty a year for three years. I mean, he's thirty, so uh, will be thirty. I should say he's twenty nine at the moment. Um, you know, that could command a four or five year deal. On yeah, that would be my biggest fear. Yeah, so if you can get him for for three years, even if it's twenty five a year, I still think that's pretty good value. I mean, what do you got to lose? Yeah, who, who else are you to pay, right? And exactly. you, you have no one in the minors to come up other than Duran, and who knows what Ben Tenney's going to be, or if you need a DH. So why not, right? Yeah, make it fun. I got his stats up right now, and uh, one of the more impressive ones is his OBP, you know, 383, and it's probably even higher than that, ticking up towards, um, you know, close to 400. His OPS currently is is the highest uh, of his career at 154. His uh, best career season uh, was uh, 2017 when he hit 312, uh, 376 on base percentage and, and slugged just about 550. Um, I'm just surprised when when the Cardinals chose not to re-sign him and they had an anemic offense and then basically did nothing to replace him. That was a great move by the Braves to simply bring him in for a year. And, and you got Acuna and Marcakis. I mean, this is one of the better outfields in Major League Baseball. And you can look at the last week and, and maybe Braves fans might have some complaints about Anthopolis. They needed pitching as well. Didn't, didn't really get it. So, uh, you know, so that, that front office, I mean, I guess if you're an Atlanta fan, you, you'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive, uh, you know, during the season with trades, but, but this acquisition of Ozuna last winter was definitely one of the real sneaky good ones. Oh yeah, it was gold. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, of the free agent class of outfielders that's coming up, he's probably if you're going to give someone a multi-year deal he's the only one I'd give it to. The only other guy that even comes close is George Springer, 
God. and Springer Springer's always hurt, and he's actually a year older than Ozuna. He's thirty one. Because the rest of the free agent class, it's the land of the dinosaurs. It's guys like Hunter Pence, Brett Gardner, you know, um, Josh Reddick, like Nick Markakis, Matt Joyce. It's it's not a good free agent class for outfielders. Ozuna is he's gonna have a lot of suitors, but if the Red Sox do some stuff, you know, again, if Martinez opts out, if they are willing to spend again, he's a guy I would at least try to go after. Yeah, I'm a million percent uh, out on Springer. I, I don't want him here. I think he's going to get a lot. He's going to get way too overpaid, and whoever signs that deal is going to regret it. Yeah, and so many casual fans just love to ignore the red flags on uh, you know guys like Springer, and some of them might even point out, oh, he's a local guy, though. You know, He grew up in Connecticut, and yeah, you know, he's – Probably going to be on the DL quite a bit, especially once he gets paid. And I'd almost love to see the Astros re-sign him just, you know, kind of as a bad karma thing, you know. Screw mm-hmm. themselves a little bit with a with a bad contract, which is something they, they haven't really done in the in the Lunau era. But, but now that he's not calling the shots, maybe, I don't know, maybe they will screw themselves. Yeah. And I hate to break it to Red Sox fans, but he grew up in Connecticut, so he probably grew up a Yankees fan. Absolutely. So, yeah, the whole local guy thing, like, give me a break. Connecticut doesn't count. No. Yeah. They're so My stud uh, for the series is probably the current record holder for most stud appearances on this podcast in 2020. I'm going with Alex Verdugo. In all three games, he had uh, multiple hits, and they were against righties and lefties. The guy just is almost a hitting machine at this point, and very, I mean, is is he a leadoff guy at this point? <laughs> because that's that's what the numbers suggest. It's feeling like that. He's either going to be your leadoff or your number two. That guy needs to get. 700 at bats during the regular season for what he's proven to show at this point absolutely he was seven for 13 on the series uh drove in a run um in in game two scored several runs and i mean this is the best you can do i feel like for replacing mookie bets like in terms of being practical, I mean, you got a guy who can do a lot of what Mookie can do, and I just feel like we we couldn't have made a better trade with a better team. Yeah, both yeah. teams got what they needed. Yeah, absolutely, and I do think that leadoff is a good spot for him. And it's weird because usually, out of a leadoff guy, I would like him to walk a little bit more he only walked once in his 13 at bats in this series but at the same time i kind of think i want him to swing away he's too good of a hitter that i almost go you know what no i i'd rather that he swing rather than take walks because he's just so much more valuable when he puts the bat on the ball so you know yeah, again he's not chasing either uh, right he's not right. going out of the zone you're like god damn it man like take that pitch it, it's none of that no, if he gets beat, it's it, you got to throw a really good pitch to beat him. He's he's not beating himself up there, so that's good to see. 
He does yeah, have I, I very good plate discipline. I don't know if you guys are like me, but Verdugo is really the only thing about this team that gets my undivided attention at this point. Like, I'm not looking down on Twitter while he's at bat. Uh, I, I'm, I'm watching it because it's really the last really exciting thing that's going on. And it's the only thing I'm really interested in uh, going forward with them. Yeah, I mean, we're. I think next year, you know, we're we're going to be at least a 500 team next year, and I think we're going to compete for a wild card. And I think some of our best seasons, as I've been saying, are years where expectations aren't necessarily very high. But this is a this is definitely a guy you build around. Uh, in addition to Bogart's endeavors, I, I think that's your core going forward, and. Mm-hmm. I just I'm just excited to see what happens around these guys. So, I mean, we're going to get into one guy who was recently called up shortly, but um but yeah, so I I had to give it to Verdugo and I I think we all love what we're seeing. Uh getting over to the duds uh Jason, who do you have? So, I went with Bobby Dahlbeck. And I know a lot of uh, a lot of Red Sox fans might be upset with that because they'll say, oh, come on, he's just a young kid. He just got up here, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's 24, first of all. So it's not like he's, you know, 20, 21 years old. Like, he's actually older than Rafi Devers because uh, he's been in the minor leagues for so long. And, you know, this is your opportunity, dude. Mitch Moreland just got traded. The guy who was blocking you just got traded. And you got called up, and now you're getting a chance to play almost every day to prove that you should be a building piece for this team. And in this series, he played in two games. He went 0 for 8. He struck out six times, and he left three guys on base, and he didn't walk. So he never got on base. He, you know, the six strikeouts, like, it, it's not good enough. It, you know, even Michael Chavis, you know, had a better series than him. And I think the Red Sox are trying to decide between those two guys who's more valuable because they're a pair of 24-year-old right-handed hitters who seem to be just the three true outcomes, you know, like walk, strikeout, or home run. And Dahlbeck has a real chance to prove that he should be, you know, one of the building pieces. And so far he's, you know, he had that one home run in his first game when he got called up. That was a great moment. But since then, it's, it's kind of been nothing. And, you know, when you get an opportunity like that where the veteran who's blocking you gets traded away and you've got a full month to show what you can do, you've got to take advantage of it. So, you know, I'm going to be hard on him because he's been in their system for so long. Again, you know, he's sort of an older prospect like Chavis. It's like, okay, you've got to make or break now because it's not like you're a 21 year old kid where they can say, okay, he just needs more time to develop. It's like, no, this is it. It's now or never for this kid. So hopefully he picks it up. Hopefully this was just a bad series against a tough Atlanta team with some good pitching. And, you know, he picks it back up the rest of the month. But so far, I'm I'm not liking what I'm seeing. I think yeah, there's the, a... uh, the strikeout has been a little bit much. Unfortunately, as advertised, uh, he, like you said, he is one of those guys, you know what it's going to be. It's a home runner strikeout. So... I think if he gets a full season of playing time next year, he's hope he runs into 30 home runs, you know, 
just happens to close his eyes and swing and make contacts well enough. Uh, he's going to have to shorten his swing up because he is just swinging for the downs every single time. Uh, I'm hoping he can develop with a full off season with the team, but we're, we're going to find out really quick if, uh, if he's just going to strike out 250 times a year. Well, I was just about to say, there's a very real possibility that he and Chavis could combine for 500 strikeouts next year. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> it, it could definitely be a race between them, you know, to to see who gets the most. And I'm just wondering if, you know, like if the hardcore Mitch Moreland crowd that, that still exists within the Red Sox fan base if if Dahlbeck is terrible going down the stretch, maybe that's a pathway to Mitch Moreland coming back on another three or four million dollar deal, you know, for for one year. He, I think he has a player option for three and a half in L.A. Uh, next year, if I'm not mistaken. He does. So if if that ca- carries over with him, and I, I'm I'm sure it does. So that's a that's a good point, actually. Um, and I mean, that's definitely a destination team if, if your goal is to hopefully win a ring. Um, so I I don't see why he wouldn't, but, but one way or the other, I mean, Dahlbeck might force the Red Sox to, to look at, uh, you know, uh, uh, an, an option for first base or or third actually. I think I do think that they'll give Chavis and uh, Dahlbeck full time next year because you have to know that asset. You're if either one of them is going to develop, you have to give them the full year next year. Split the playing time, however, but um, you hope next year is back to normal uh, minor league wise. And who knows? Maybe uh, Cassius is ready. The year after that, um, I don't want to. Lo- I don't want to sign anyone long term and block him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get the impression he could be up next season, Casas or however he pronounces it. Yeah, I think they'll probably do one more full year just to have the full uh, his full rights for even longer. But if you guys have been, I don't know if any of you guys have been watching uh, the games. He's hitting moonshots absolute no doubters i don't know if that says much about him or about our you know our minor league pitching but yeah he's been hitting like 420 foot bombs and yeah i think next next year the platoon of shavis and dahlbeck might be your best bet uh again reagent class isn't great maybe if you're lucky maybe the cubs say bye-bye to anthony rizzo they don't pick up the 14 million dollar option maybe you convince him to come here on a couple of short years but I doubt that happens. So, yeah, it, I think the full year of them is probably what's going to happen. Um, I just hope Dahlbeck doesn't. I, I don't want the first base version of Rognador Door. I don't want a guy who hits 205 and strikes out 200 times, but oh, hey, he hit 30 home runs. Like, no, I don't need that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny if they, you know, went back and uh, this offseason discussed the Odor for. Who was it, Evaldi again? And then he showed up, and we had about <laughs> 700 strikeouts on the right side of the infield. Oh, shoot me. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, you know, he was tied in with Evaldi, and I, that deal just didn't make a lot of sense to me because they're not going to 
be competitive for for a while now i i don't think and i, I don't think their farm system's that great especially you know they really need to fire their gm but um but the the super ironic thing was that when odor knocked out bautista I mean that was essentially the end of their careers. Like both or both of them at least went on a steep downward trend. So you have that going on with Odor and Bautista. You had a similar situation in Boston in 2013 in the World Series with with Middlebrooks and Alan Craig when they got tangled up over at third. You know, well Middlebrooks tripped him to try to you know, prevent him from scoring and, you know, it cost us the game, but we're going to lose anyway. I I think that was just an instinctive thing on, on Middlebrooks to do that, but their careers, you know, took a nosedive that night. And then you have it again, like I said, with, with Odor and uh, Bautista. So two similar twists of irony, I feel like. But yeah, but Odor, are, we, are we still paying Alan Craig, or are we finally free of his money? I'm pretty sure we're free of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that trade looked so good. That was the other bad year I was talking about, 2014. I mean, you get Joe Kelly and Alan Craig, and you're giving up John Lackey, you know, who had one year left. I, I just thought on paper, wow, what a what a good move by Sherrington, and then. Alan Craig just never found it again. And, and Grady Sizemore is another guy, you know, similar, you know, had some injuries and his career ended, you know, far too soon. I, I don't even think he was 30 yet, you know, when he took his nosedive. And, yeah, so. Uh, anyway, uh, go ahead, uh, Andrew. Who was your uh, dud for the series? Um. Kyle Hart, uh, yeah, can't be a stud if you're going to give up six runs every single time you go out. It's just so bad. I don't even know what would be an acceptable outing from him at this point. Four runs in one inning? Like, are you like, hey, man, good job at that point? It's just pathetic. And I, this has got to be his last shot at the majors, right? He He's not going to be on a team next year. He can't be. I wouldn't think so. I mean, that. This guy looks like he just doesn't have major league stuff. Um, there, there's nothing that you look at in his pitching arsenal and go, "Ooh, okay." There's there might be a little something you can work with there. Like the breaking balls are flat. The fastball has no life to it. It's he's a batting practice machine. Um, and I feel for the guy because you know I was rooting for him. He he pitched well. You know before the season started, he was one of those guys that the Red Sox were considering for that fifth rotation spot because he looked pretty good in the simulations. Uh, 27 years old, so, you know, a little bit of a late bloomer, I guess. But I thought, okay, maybe this guy comes in, shows you something, wins that number, you know, wins a rotation spot, and, um, you know, and he, he keeps he keeps it going. And just the more you see him, it's it's bad. I mean, he, he like I said, it's just his stuff is not major league level. And when he goes up against good hitters, he gets exposed big time. So he's he's a career minor league pitcher. I hate to say it. You know, again, I, I feel for the kid, but he just doesn't have the stuff. 
Yeah, you know who I feel for the most is his brother who risked COVID to fly up to Boston to watch the game in a bar, and then he got, like, rocked that first game, and yeah. he's been rocked ever since. So, yeah, not a good uh, career trajectory for the Hearts. Just a body to put in there, and and it's just not not going well. I mean, just all but I think one appearance so far has just been really – ugly on, on his part and you know just one of those guys will will look back a few years from now when we're reflecting on how bad 2020 really was and he'll he'll be a prominent name uh that gets mentioned you know as far as uh the season goes uh, there's a number of ways i could have went with this um I think one of you was considering Bogarts uh, as the dud, which I thought was a little savage considering how good he's been. Um, but he did strike out uh, at least five times and uh, two for eleven. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend much time on him, but my my dud for the series really uh, will be Jose Peraza, who was uh, had a pair of uh, zero for four games. And then tonight was especially bad, uh, struck out three times. Typically not really a strikeout guy. You know, he lines out, pops out, that type of thing, but did strike out three times tonight. I don't know if this is going to be a guy that gets brought back next year. He's on a very cheap one-year deal, but with the instability we're having with, with Chavis and Dahlbeck and Probably not quite ready to bring up a Jeter Downs type guy. I don't, I mean, can you guys see Dahlbeck, uh, excuse me, uh, Peraza coming back? For He's, one more? what is he, ARB1 eligible next year, I think? Oh, is he? I don't know. Oh, I my th- bad. I think that's what it is. Okay. I defended him for a while. At this point, I I don't know if he I don't think he can give him any playing time unless a guy needs a day off. It's got to go to Aru's or Munoz or Layden for that matter. Who gives a damn at this point? But there's just really no reason to play Peraza. You're not even if he lights the world on fire, you're not gonna trade him for anything of value next season. He's just gonna be a utility body if uh, if you know plans A, B, and C don't happen. Yeah, so I just looked it up. He's ARB2 next year. Um, So, yeah, he still has two more years of arbitration left, but I don't know, he'll be 27. Like, And, you know, this is a guy, again, you can check the tape. I was kind of excited when we signed him because I thought, okay, reclamation project, sure, no problem. 26-year-old reclamation project, I have no problem with that. He had that one good year in Cincinnati. I thought if he finds that again, great. Um, It doesn't look like that's going to happen. Look, you know, this guy's just, he's a hack job. He really is. He, he's such a hack job. He just goes up there and, and just swings, you know, wildly every single time. Um, maybe he gets brought back because, again, like you said, that there's so much instability and at least he can sort of play multiple positions. I mean, doesn't play them well, but he can at least, you know, be serviceable at multiple positions. So maybe you bring him back, but. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they just they let him walk because I think he was supposed to be, you know, they were hoping to find a diamond in the rough and they were hoping that he would revert to his numbers from a few years ago and that he would, you know, really solidify that second base job. 
and he just hasn't done it. So I, I, I don't expect him to be back, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they brought him back just to have another body. Yeah, and I don't think it was a bad move by any means. It was low cost, low risk. If it worked out, it would have been awesome. But hey, at this point, whatever, it's not really affecting him too badly. So, yeah, at least you know. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned R. Ouse. He didn't uh, have a, a great series, was, was 0 for 7, but is still hitting 263 on the season. So, I'd like to see more of him at the very least. Well, we still do have close to a month left in the season. Um, but definitely that right side of the infield, like you guys said, uh, leaves a lot to be desired and no real obvious choices uh, until Downs is is ready to um, you know get promoted. And he's only played as high as AA anyway, so um, could be over a year before we see him. Um, some, I'm going to awkwardly skip back to the honorable mentions in a second because I skipped over it, but I will start with the, uh, dishonorable, uh, mentions. Chavis, as we know, uh, (laughs) 0 for 11, uh, in the, in the whole series with, uh, four strikeouts. Did have an RBI tonight on a, uh, sacrifice fly, but still not a great series. That's pretty shocking, honestly. I would have thought it would have been double. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah, he showed pretty good plate discipline in the series <laughs> for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mentioned Aru's zero for seven. So, um, you know, if you look at the uh, pitching, I mean, Brewer, you know, five earned runs. Hard to really light into him. I mean, he's in a tough spot right now with no starting pitching depth uh, to speak of, and. Triggs got tagged for three runs tonight, so you know we know why Oakland didn't want him. Um, getting over to the uh, honorable mentions, though, Rafael Devers, 5 for 11, um, had a hit in every game. Two out of the three games were multiple hit games, so looking uh, very good at the plate, hitting uh, 354 in his last uh, 13 games. I saw that on Nesson tonight, and so, you know, he's a guy that's kind of, you know, starting to find it finally. J.D. Martinez, oh, I mean, wouldn't it be so fitting if he finally goes on a tear? Looked pretty good tonight. Drove in a couple of runs on two hits. One of them, you know, was a, a hard liner out to, uh, you know, in the gap and, and center field and, you know, starting to starting to show a little bit of power. But he still is missing on some pitches that were just easy to hit and pitches a few years ago that probably would have went over the fence. So hopefully that starts to get reined in. But he is starting to drive the ball, uh, you know, with a little bit better consistency. Uh, a couple of guys out of the bullpen, excuse me. <laughs> I shouldn't have burped like that. I think I'm just too comfortable in my living room here. Uh, but anyway, um, Phillips uh, Valdez, still very impressive. Um, had a, a one-inning appearance in which he recorded three strikeouts. His ERA is under one still, 0.86. That's impressive. Uh, Josh Taylor, not by any means dominant, but had another fairly clean inning outside of a walk. Did get a strikeout, so maybe he's starting to 
uh, get his bearings after uh, joining the team so late. I do want to mention before you guys weigh in on these guys, um, I don't like it when Valdez is brought into the game with runners on because that seems to go very badly. But you give him a clean inning, and he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I agree. He's a clean inning guy, kind of like a closer. Um, <laughs> you can pretty much just pencil it in for a run for the uh, previous pitcher if a guy's on second when he's taking the mound. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, yeah, stop bringing him in with guys on base. He he performs much better when he has a clean inning. Yeah, I, I can't remember. There was a ball pulled down the, the right field line, and I can't remember if the bases were loaded or if there was only two runners on, but it it basically cleared the bases and you know, we were basically buried at that point. So, um, yeah, so ho- hopefully they're, they're catching on to this. Cora was slow to catch on to that with Brazier, even in the 2018 season w- would bring him in with runners on and, and, and that wouldn't go well. So hopefully Renicky kind of jumps on that a little quicker. But all right, so a um, little bit of controversy with the uh, Yankees and the Rays, which is the new AL East rivalry. Um, it's very rare that we Red Sox fans get to grab the popcorn and watch, you know, a different rivalry in our own division. But that's what's going on right now. And um, Andrew Kittredge. Uh, earlier, well, it was about a month ago now, actually, August 8th, basically threw a couple of high and tight pitches on uh, DJ LeMay, who dropped him both times, didn't hit him. Um, Also notable, a few years ago, he basically um, hit uh, Austin Romine, I guess in the shoulder area, but it, it was a dangerously... Uh, high pitch in which he hit him and Yankees seem to take a little bit of exception so here's my first question Tanaka came out in uh, either the first or second inning and uh, plunked I think it was Brusso was that was that warranted based on you know what was going on with Kittredge no, <laughs> I think they could have just left it there, just could have let it be. But it seemed like they wanted to stoke the fire a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. No, it, normally if it was, if it happened in the same season, then I'd say yeah, sure. Um, by now, I think you know times run out on that, and you just look like a bunch of babies with uh, way too much memory and way too much time on your hands. So. No, I, I thought it was stupid that they did that. Yeah, one thing I did read today. So the pitch he hit, it was Wendell he hit. Oh, it was. It was. the highest velocity of any pitch he's thrown this season, um, which is very interesting. And only the fourth left-hander batter he's ever hit with his fastball. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that was completely intentional and unnecessary. And this is still Tanaka, just so we're clear. Yes. In the early game. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I mean the the LeMahieu stuff from August I guess was recently enough and uh, so I guess I didn't have a huge problem with Tanaka doing it. I mean, he was responsible about it. You know, he went for the lower body. 
the Rays didn't really react to it, and and the runner just kind of laughed as he ran to first and was like, okay, you know, whatever is what it is. And the team didn't even seem to retaliate until until Chapman comes in. Mm. And Chapman does go for the head area, and the ball sailed over over his head. And Kevin Cash is in the dugout, kind of starting to chirp a little bit. You know, he doesn't. He wants to protect his guys and whatnot. And I just feel like they they just took the Tanaka one in stride, and then that wasn't good enough for the Yankees. And, you know, we can agree and disagree on, on Tanaka, but what Chapman did, I mean, that was uncalled for <laughs> and dangerous. Yeah. So the first thing I thought about when Chapman um, did that, I don't know if you remember a couple weeks ago, Remy and Eck, in probably another blowout that we were watching there trying to fill time, we're talking about when Remy uh, played with Nolan Ryan, and Ryan pulled him aside after he nailed a guy. He was like, dude, I'm going to kill someone. And he was like visibly shaking because he was afraid he was going to hit a guy in the head. And meanwhile, Chapman is just, you know, handing uh, fastballs at the head like Halloween candy out. You know, it's it's absurd. Yeah, and the Yankees have a history of this. I mean, it, you know, who was the God? Who was the fat dump? Jabba Chamberlain, the, the, the fat Euclid. dump who threw at Euclid's head like every game. Every I mean, game. yeah, th- this is just the Yankees have a history of this. They, whenever they want to retaliate or they want to send a message, they always do it in the worst way possible, and they always go head hunting. And whether it's Aaron Boone managing or anyone else, it's just. It's like an it's like bred into that organization. I don't understand it. And it's like universally agreed in baseball. Like, hey, if you're pissed at the other team and you want to send a message, you want to plunk a guy in the ribs, that's fine. You start throwing at the head, now you're you're crossing into really dangerous territory and like it, yeah, you're you're gonna end someone's career one of these days. It's just you can't do that. Yeah. The helmets are good, but uh, 101 to the ear flap. I don't give a damn how good your technology is and how far those helmets have come over the years. That's not going to be good. That's a terrible outcome. You know, and it just seems like this seems to happen a lot. And we saw it happen with the Red Sox and Matt Barnes when he threw out Machado. And I've always kind of given Barnes the benefit of the doubt. You know, his his fastball does tend to rise and, and maybe he was – he was extremely reckless, but I, I didn't think he was necessarily going for the head. And and then you had Joe Kelly with, you know, the – he went after a few batters. I know Correa was one of them. Oh, actually, I think the, the Bregman at bat that game, that one went the closest to the head. And, you know, that obviously got him in trouble initially. An eight-game suspension reduced down to five. But I just – is throwing at the head ever going to go away, I guess, is my question. No, not as long as you still have idiots out there. Um, but what you just brought up with the eight-game suspension, how does Chapman get three? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we may as well mention it now. I mean, is this the guy that should be involved in a controversy? Because 
he did have uh, one of the more highly controversial domestic violence situations off the field in which his incident, unlike many others, involved a firearm. I mean, Terry, you you don't get mad and start shooting at people (laughs) in your garage. Come on. (laughs) Not usually. But... (laughs) Yeah, no, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd that he's the guy doing it. And I saw some Yankee fans on Twitter and actually got on got into it with some on Reddit. Like, well, he never has any control. He didn't know where that was going. It's like, yeah, no shit, he doesn't have control. He doesn't have <laughs> control of his own emotions. Like, this guy, he that that's not all right. He's literally taking lives into his hands on and off the field. He's... Three games was absurd. That is so hypocritical by the league. That is, um, and you mentioned it, Andrew, because I saw those same Yankee fans on Twitter. Boy, talk about a bunch of lunatics because you're right. That's exactly what they were saying. They're saying, oh, you guys just don't get it. He always loses control of his fastball. It's it's just it's the way he is. I'm thinking, oh, really? One of the best closers in baseball, and he doesn't have control of his fastball? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I've seen him hit 102 on the black plenty of times so don't give me that crap don't give me the crap that he you know loses control and you know oh sometimes it just happens to go near a guy's head like bullcrap he was yeah. absolutely trying to hit him in the head now the question is who did that come from was boone telling him throw at his head or did boone tell him throw at this guy and chapman decided to aim it at the head oh so, i think i don't think boone told him to throw at his head i think Chapman's just so freaking stupid that he did it on his own. I, I'm sure he's like, hey, I'll brush him back if you want. Oh, okay, coach, let me just gun it at his head at 101. Yeah. yeah it, you know what? If he doesn't have control, then he shouldn't be throwing purpose pitches. Well, and, and I think that's, yeah, and I think that goes to Terry's point. It's like, I don't think Boone told him to throw him at the head or throw at his head. I think he just told him, you know, go plunk one of these guys. Or maybe he didn't even tell him to do that at all. I don't know. But Aroldis Chapman is kind of a loose cannon on and off the field. And in a game like that where tensions are high and, you know, the Yankees are just so desperate to send a message to the Rays because, quite frankly, that whole franchise from the top on down is panicking because they're looking up at the Rays, who are a really, really good team. And as Terry has said numerous times, and I'm starting to agree with him, they're starting to have World Series written all over them. And I think the Yankees organization is panicking because they can't stay healthy. They can't string wins together. Their $324 million pitcher is failing. And the panic is showing. And it showed in that game because that was absolute bushly crap from the Yankees. And it's the kind of thing a desperate team does when they are panicking. And you know what? They shouldn't be looking up at the Rays. They should be looking down because... The two teams behind them are only a game behind. The Yankees are a game away from not being in the playoffs at this point. I raise that. That's almost unfathomable. But guess what? You don't get to play the Red Sox every day. Sorry. Yeah, and they only have one more series against us anyway, and I think it's the one at Fenway. But I was going to ask that. I mean, is some of this, you know, a a product of what we saw yesterday is that out of frustration i mean you've got this yankees team made the biggest splash of anybody last winter by getting garrett cole we'll get to him shortly 
but they make a huge splash. They're by far the highest payroll in the league, and they're getting their asses kicked on a nightly basis. I think they've lost eight out of nine games so far this year to the Tampa Bay Rays, who are a 60 or $70 million payroll, whatever it is. It was 60 last year for sure. This has to be frustrating. You know what it is? It's a bully that's starting to get humiliated by the scrawny kid, and now he's throwing cheap shots. It's like, you know what? If you don't want to fight fair, just come out and say it. Like, I'm sorry. No, like, don't don't be pussies about this. Like, win on the field. Don't play dirty. Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely um, – it's frustration for sure because, you know, everyone before the season started, even, you know, shortened season and all, Everyone said, oh, you can pretty much pencil in Yankees versus Dodgers for the World Series. There's no way that the Yankees don't run roughshod around the American League. And no one really talked about the Rays. Everyone said, oh, yeah, the Rays will be there. They're kind of always there. But, you know, the Yankees will still win their division and, you know, whatever. And now the Rays look like a monster. And they're just outplaying the Yankees at every turn. So, yeah, that team is starting to get frustrated. They're desperate. And uh, and I think there's probably pressure coming from on high. I think Steinbrenner is starting to put the screws to Boone and and to those guys and saying, hey, look, um, I don't care that Judge and Stanton are out. I still have a really I still gave you me and Brian gave you a really good roster. Do something with it. Go win some ball games because there this is not acceptable in Yankee Town. This is not acceptable. So I think Boone is feeling it. I think the players are feeling it. I think there's just a lot going on with that organization, and they're starting to take it out on the field. And they they aren't built for the the postseason, in my opinion. I mean, you got Cole and Tanaka, which is a decent one too. Cole apparently has issues with the Rays, so that that's not a good one on one matchup. And <laughs> I'm just thinking. I mean. You got an extra round. This Yankees team, I think, is in a lot of trouble. And they didn't make any moves that I'm aware of at the deadline. Maybe a smaller one. I I, I should have looked. But they, they didn't acquire that rotation piece that they needed. They're famous for getting a bullpen arm out of nowhere. Even, oh, even in I years. was waiting for them to get Hater. I was like, "This is gonna be such a Yankees move. They're gonna get. They're gonna end up with Josh Hader." Yeah, there was talk of that. I, I I saw those rumors, and I don't know. And the Yankees last year were trying to acquire a pitcher, and someone from the organization. I don't know if it was if it was Cashman or not. Was quoted as saying, "Our asking price, you, you know, was." Or, or people were asking us for a much bigger package because we're the Yankees. So they, they were being penalized because they were the Yankees. And maybe they were. Maybe people just don't want to do business with the Yankees for some reason. But that's a, that's a team that just, they're not coming up with solutions on the field as far as the players go. And they're, they're not coming up with solutions in the front office. This organization is a mess. And I'm not going to redo my rant from the other night, but I think there's a real possibility that 
Cashman could be done here uh, w- within a year or two because there's no way Steinbrenner's looking at what Boston's about to do, what Tampa is doing, and you know what LA has done. And, and some of these smarter front offices, there's no way that Steinbrenner is looking at Cashman saying, yeah, our guy is just as smart as all of those guys because he's not. <laughs> that organization no, is I a mess. No, I can't wait to the Aaron Judge uh, decision by Cashner. I, that, that, or Cashman, not Andrew Cashner. Because <laughs> uh, that's going to be a career-defining decision right there. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's got a lot of uh, decisions to make coming up. And you were asking, did they make any moves at the deadline? I'm pretty sure the only move they made was they got Jordy Mercer, um, who I think was with the Tigers. So their only move at the deadline was to get a backup infielder. Like, for a team that desperately needs pitching, um, they went out and got a shortstop. So, I mean, again, maybe you're right. Maybe they were getting blackballed by the rest of the league who just doesn't want to send good, more good talent to the Yankees and just watch them dominate. But either way, if you're Brian Cashman, you've got to figure out a way around that, right? You've got to either step up your offer to the point where they can't say no, or you've got to deal with teams that, you know, do want to actually do business with you. So, um yeah, if if they fail this year, I mean, people are absolutely going to look back and he's going to be the first guy they look at because the fans are going to look at him and say, why didn't you add anybody? Half our team was on the IL when the trade deadline came up. There were deals to be made. Toronto added a bunch of pitchers. Other contending teams added pitchers. So it's not like there weren't deals to be made and you did nothing and we lost again. And that's when the clock will start to really tick on Brian Cashman. And Toronto made a couple of decent moves. They got Taiwan Walker, which, I mean, most some people won't say that's sexy, but that's better than Tanner Roark. And and then they got Ross Stripling, you know, in, in the, the late hours of the deadline. So um, that's, a, that's a team that could easily drop the Yankees down to third place in the division, which would make them you know, more dependent on getting one of the, the two wild cards. But, but yeah, like I said, a, a total mess. One thing I did mean to mention, though, with Chapman, if I'm a raised player, I tweeted this earlier, if I'm, if I'm a raised player, my walk-up song to the batter's box with Chapman on the mound is simply the soundbite of Joe Buck calling that Altuve home run. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I saw that, and boy, I would love for one of them to do it. I'm sure that he would get fined, probably even suspended, because Manfred loves the Yankees. So I'm sure that whoever did it might be facing a suspension, but it would be so worth it just for the amount of tweets, you know, of people just retweeting that video and just Chapman's reaction, all of it. I would love for that to happen. Oh, I, I think they could pull it off. I, I forget what team did it, but... um when Reese McGuire of the Ray of the Blue Jays came up, they played I Touch Myself. And <laughs> if you're familiar with his offseason, he was uh, caught doing just that in like a dollar store parking lot. So I, I, I think this is on the table. I think Tatis used Cry Me a River uh, the next night after that controversy. Oh, he did. Uh, yeah. yeah, he did. That was yep. That was an epic one. I'm I'm just looking at the standings here uh, before we move on to Garrett Cole. Um, I'm just trying to find a way for the Yankees to lose. If 
if Toronto moves up to second, like I said, and they very well could, um, that they're only a game back of the Yankees too. Um, that forces, like I said, the Yankees down to a wild card team. You've got three teams in the Central with 22 wins. The Indians got 23, and then the White Sox and the Twins are tied at 22 apiece. So you know a wild card's coming out of that division. Um, we're not going to get a wild card out of the the West because the Mariners are third, you know, seven games under 500. So if the Yankees are going to miss, it really depends on either Detroit or Baltimore you know, making a jump and it, it almost looks like it's going to be Detroit. And the crazy thing is they're from the central. And so that's four teams in the, in the division with a 500 or better record. I don't recall ever seeing that. Um, but those are the pathways. It's going to have to be either Detroit or Baltimore to knock them uh, out of the, the number eight seed. Is that yeah. Is that what it would take? Because yeah, I thought it was. I thought it's Toronto in the eight right now. They probably are. Yeah, it's Toronto in the nine. Well, let's so see. I saw I saw this tweet the other day. Someone put out what the potential bracket would be if the playoffs ended today. And obviously, this is just today. We got a whole month to go, but it would have like I just noticed that the Yankees would be playing the White Sox, Ooh. and and I remember looking at that and I thought. Ooh, that's not. I don't love the Yankees there. Like yeah. normally, I'd say, yeah, okay, they'll they'll stomp the White Sox because they tend to stomp anyone in the Central. But I don't know those those White Sox hitters against those Yankee pitchers. Oh my God, they'd be teeing off like crazy. Thinking, so, hey, all they have to do is flick it to right field. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and the, and just... I, we know Toronto. Toronto might be about to roll off five wins in a row. They have five games against Boston, and you know the Red Sox aren't incentivized to win. They're not going to try to help the Yankees out there, and they sure as hell aren't going to try to ruin any draft position here. So this is going to be this is going to be interesting to see where New York sits at the end of the uh, end of the weekend. Yeah, and uh, just a reminder about that first round of the playoffs: it's only two out of three, so that could potentially be even worse for the Yankees. I just, and you oh, yeah. can't set up your pitching rotation if you're fighting for the eight seed. Exactly. You know, you're not like, all right, well, we got to skip Cole today because we want him to go in game one. No, you don't have that option. If he's pitching on the last game of the season, you need him to pitch on the last game of the season. And with them being up against the wall here with scheduling, they're not going to, you know, it's not going to be like the regular season ends, you got four days off and the playoffs start. It's going to be like, all right, here we go. <laughs> We're getting right into this. Yeah. And I mean, in, in that potential matchup, you're going up against the White Sox. They'll send out, if they can, they'll send out Giolito game one. And Giolito's been better than Cole this year. So even if you do get. Cole pitching game one, he might not win. And then you're down 0 1, and you're going to send Tanaka in a win or die game. I mean, Good luck I love it. that. Yeah, let, let me know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of, of Garrett Cole, did the Yankees sign Houston Garrett Cole, or do they have Pittsburgh Garrett Cole? I think we have Pittsburgh Garrett Cole, <laughs> and I'm so happy. I hope that Pittsburgh Garrett Cole is pitching to 2028. 
Uh, it would just be perfect if, what is it, $36 million a year? Oh, man, that would just be great if he consistently had an ERA in the fours because he's pushing it right now. He's at 391. Yeah, it's it's starting to look like Pittsburgh Garrett Cole, and uh, it's starting to also look like Garrett Cole is going to regret, you know, signing his his career away to pitching in Yankee Stadium, which is a glorified sandbox because he's getting teed off on, and he's he's giving up way too many home runs, and um, yeah, he he doesn't quite look like Houston Garrett Cole just yet, so. Looks more like the pirate Garrett Cole, which was a decent pitcher, but not someone you should be paying what they're paying him. So, yeah, it's honestly, it's been hilarious. I, like, it's been one of the most hysterical things to follow for me this baseball season is just how bad Garrett Cole has been after that contract. And it's trending so, worse for him. Uh, just real quick, he he had a seven-inning outing against the Red Sox. I mean, so that's not tough to do. Uh, and then he was six and two thirds, uh, uh, three starts ago, and then his last two starts only made it five innings. So he's going the wrong way. You know, his last three starts, he's given up six hits, five hits, and then eight hits most recently. Um, and then the the one interesting stat too from his last appearance: four walks. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, and he's already got the Yankee babyism in him because I don't know if you heard his post game the other day, where I think a reporter just asked him like, "Hey, you've been giving up, you know, more home runs than usual. What do you think that is?" And he kind of alluded to he thinks that hitters are stealing signs or or they're picking up on pitch tips or something. He would um, know. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, if, if anyone would know, yeah, he sure he like, How sure did would. you know that, Garrett? Well, I don't want to get into some ad. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, he's led 12 home runs this year, too, is the other shocking amount. And that's only in 46 innings pitch. So if, you know, at, if you project that out to, what, 200 innings, he's in the 40s? Let me ask you this real quick. Are the balls not quite flying out like they were in August? I've just seen a lot of warning tracks lately. And Well, so that was another thing I was going to bring up. I just remembered that Jeff Passan the other day said baseball is going to a bubble in the playoffs. So he's not going to get the benefit of a cold night in New York. He's going to be playing in L.A. and San Diego. So the balls are still going to be jumping. The White Sox aren't going to be, you know, the balls aren't going to be dying 10 feet closer. They're going to be still sailing out there. Yeah. yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, it's yeah, if if they do go to the bubble in the postseason, which it sounds like they will, um, you know, then, yeah, that's absolutely the case. He'll still have to pitch in hot weather. And, uh, you know, if if that's a bugaboo for him, uh, you know, to that point and, you know, guys are still launching on him, then, yeah, that could really spell disaster. How many seasons until we find out he doesn't like pitching in Yankee Stadium? <laughs> maybe maybe this one i i don't know it's just it can't be a fun environment right now to to be in new york just with all the turmoil and the injuries and the you know the lack of performance losing eight out of nine to the rays it's just it's it's a tough place to play right now and 
I mean, he could have almost pitched anywhere he wanted. I don't know what the the runner-up deals were going to be. Um, yeah, I don't even remember who finished in second. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. the Dodgers were in on him, and I think the Dodgers were right around three. Three? Okay. So it wasn't. they weren't too far off, but I remember Friedman saying after the decision had been made by Cole to go to New York that – Friedman basically conceded that, well, that's where his heart was set and the number was just going to get higher. They had to have him, and so so he ended up backing off. But but here, here's one point I want to make. The, the Dodgers end up not getting him, and then so they put their big money on Mookie Betts. And the difference between New York and L.A. is that L.A. spent several years, you know, at least four or five years prior to this season, you know, cutting down that payroll and getting, you know, getting younger and, and getting balanced in a lot of ways. The Dodgers were in great position to make a signing like Mookie Betts and have several players around him under long-term control. The The Yankees weren't in a position to to sign Garrett Cole to to a similar contract, you know, over 300. So, I mean, they're going to be paying for this for a long time and they're going to be looking at the second biggest market, LA, you know, as one of the best teams. I know we crap on the Dodgers for not having won a championship since 1988, but they've had some pretty unique circumstances that they have had to deal with, you know, from ownership changing hands to different managers to different uh, general managers. And, you know, it's, it's really impressive that they managed to win the division all those years to get to this point right now. And I think, I think Tampa I want to say they're probably the favorites to go to the World Series in the American League, but I think the Dodgers are still the favorites to win it all, even after that big week that San Diego just had. Yeah, and, you know, to kind of bring it back to this, if the Dodgers finish ahead of uh, the Yankees in that sweepstakes, Mookie's in San Diego right now? Right? I mean, they wouldn't have... They wouldn't have traded for him. So that really had some dominoes there. Yeah. And I mean, the Yankees identified the problem that they had, which was lack of starting pitching. And they tried to solve it by signing by signing one guy. That's all they did. They didn't add anyone else to that rotation. They just went out and got Cole and they said, okay, rotations fixed. We got Garrett Cole all as well. And it's like, no, Severino still can't get on the field. Tanaka is, you know, <laughs> he's on the last year of his deal and looking worse by the start. Um, Sabathia retired, not that he was any great shakes, that fat dump. But, you know, he at least gave them, you know, innings and was serviceable. This, yeah, and they lost that other guy to domestic violence, right? Didn't one of their pitchers get thrown out for that while he was – the kid that won like 17 games the year before. Oh, Domingo Herman, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this Jordan Montgomery, that guy blows. Jay Happ is, you know, well well into his 30s now and doesn't have the same stuff. So it's like 
that's another knock on Cashman. Like you had problems all through your your starting five, and you tried to solve it by signing one guy and basically telling him, "Hey, you've got to shoulder the load for the rotation." That's not going to work. The Dodgers had a balanced rotation. You know, they had Kershaw, they had Bueller, they had Dustin May waiting in the wings. They had that kid uh, Urias, who's really good. Like they had plenty of depth at starting pitching, so they were able to say, "Okay, we lost out on Garrett Cole, but." Now we can go get Mookie, and our lineup is going to be filthy, and we still have a really good rotation anchored by Clayton Kershaw. So the, the Yankees just went about it all wrong, in my opinion. Don't, they went about it the way the 2001 Yankees would have done it. Don't, don't forget this aspect. They hired a high school pitching coach, and he's he's got to yeah, solve all these problems. Until I saw your tweet. Yeah, Matt Blake. Really? He apparently he had some. I don't know. If it was major league experience or college experience or whatever as a player. I mean, and then was he Garrett Cole's high school. I, I have no <laughs> idea, but that's what he was doing at, at the point that he was hired to be a pitching coach. He was he was working high school, so um, that's kind of a weird. I read his contract it's like. Wait, not Scrin, New York Yankees? <laughs> no shit. All right. <laughs> not the Queens Little League Yankees. I mean, this is the really big Yankees. Yeah. So. And look, I'll, I'll give them credit because I thought they held on to Larry Rothschild for way too long. I know he's he's in San Diego now, right? And so yeah. you know he's he's moved on to to better things. But like, I always looked at Rothschild as just another dinosaur that they held on to for too long. But then you go and get this kid who I don't think knows his ass from his elbow. And like, I mean, it's just, yeah. what are you doing? It's not the market correction you want there. No. It's like, come on, let's find the in-between. Like, you know, maybe someone that worked in college for a little bit, worked his way up through the minors, not just like, uh, you got to walk before you run. That's going to be my mid-morning tweet tomorrow. I'm going to be like, it's too bad that high school pitching coach couldn't help Jay Happ last night. <laughs> Giving up. I, I He didn't even get out of the first inning, I don't. Oh, no, that was Montgomery, my bad. I'll have to. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Montgomery but tonight. He, yeah. he, got, he didn't get out of the first, though, I don't think. It was only two-thirds of an inning, four runs, and they 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 pulled him. But, yeah, so it's, it's going to be crazy to watch – this and we've already seen the meltdowns on Twitter. You know the wheels are spinning, and and the the Yankees fans know that. Uh, you know they're they're not looking so good, and Tampa's killing everyone. So yeah. uh, tweet tweet our record as much as you want. We we don't give a damn. Watching them struggle is more than entertaining enough for me. Exactly. We we're supposed to suck. We knew this. You yeah, know. this is a scheduled suck. <laughs> it is. Yeah. That's perfect. It's a scheduled. We suck. also, yeah, we're also only two years away or two years out from our last championship. Uh, Yankees are what eleven now. So eleven yeah, decades keep, full. Yeah, let's keep adding to that number. Um. So okay. So just to kind of start to wrap the show, uh, we have it looks like a five game set against the uh, Blue yep, Jays. Your normal five game series. All right, and there it looks to be a double header actually on Friday. Correct. Yeah, so that'll be our first uh, look at a seven. And we only know one starting pitcher <laughs> between <laughs> the two teams, I think. 
tomorrow. Yeah, it's Perez. Yeah. So that that's out of ten pitchers, we know one of them. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't. You know what? And I go to the uh, I go to the MLB site, and I told myself I'd stop doing that. Um, do we do we know who Toronto is is pitching? I'm trying to get over For the... tomorrow. It's uh, Tyon Walker. Tyron Walker. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess we did know that, but I think that's the end of it. I think everything else is TBA. Okay, so they don't have their setup either. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting uh, to see what Walker does. I know I'll be a little curious to see it, especially knowing that they could be, you know, in a, in a race for second place at least with with the Yankees. Um, I'll be rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, he's mm. coming off of uh, Tommy John. I think he came back late last year, but just didn't have it and ended up getting shut down. But he's he's bounced back, uh, you know, pretty well this year. So seems like his he's healthy finally. So um, that'll be good. And I mean, Toronto's catching us at just the right time, like you said earlier. Um, you know, and and they're they're a stronger team than than what we saw. And I think Bichette is back, isn't he? He did come back. I think it was today. Oh, was it today? Okay, I thought it was a maybe last week or whatever. But um, or was it? Big? I know one of them came back today. Okay, yeah. The offensively, well, I I know they're going to be you know a little bit better than they had been recently. Yeah. If uh, if you guys thought the Marcelo Zuna show was good, Rowdy Telez is on his way. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get he might, ready for a lot of bombs. He might be one of our studs, uh, you know, at the at the end of the series. But yeah, all right. Well, we won't spend too much time on this. We know we're headed to the slaughterhouse uh, against mm. them. So, um, all right. Well, good show, and uh, we'll be back. Uh, let's see, what's the series after this that we're going to be reviewing? I think it's the Philly series that I've thought's been coming up the last like nine weeks in a row. Yeah, it's that random doubleheader on a Tuesday. That's the whole series against Philadelphia. Oh, really? Oh, huh. yeah. Okay, oh. that'll uh, that'll be interesting. You know, and I've had every other Tuesday off, so. Oh, but I probably won't have it next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, the the Phillies are actually looking pretty good and have uh, added to their uh, bullpen as well. They made a couple other kind of low key moves, and they're getting Hector Neris back, so um, they should e- at least be able to get comfortably uh, into second place, I would think, in that division to to lock up a spot. But we'll uh, we'll contribute to them next week. But all right, guys, have a good night. All right, take care, guys. All right, later. Episode 214 in the books. It was actually kind of an entertaining show. We got to bash the Yankees a little bit and, uh, you know, the the Verdugo talk and Bradley talk was also good uh, with the Red Sox. Showing a little bit of bullpen potential uh, ahead of next season, so... So, yeah, if you're a glass half half full person, the you know the team does still have some long term potential. So we will uh, catch back up on Sunday for the regular show. Have a good uh, rest of your work week. Take care. <laughs>